Hi, my name is Ashley. My name is Caroline. And my name is Sarah. And welcome to our podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Waverly Hills. So a lot of people, including you guys, have heard about Waverly Hills. Most people think it's an insane asylum. It is not. It's actually a sanatorium for tuberculosis. It's what it was most famously known for. Um, it's perched ominously on top of a hill in Louisville, Kentucky, complete with stone gargoyles. Um, and it's got tons of paranormal stories, you know, like shadow people, little children moving balls in the hallway, uh, and a creature known as the creeper who prowls corridors at night. Oh, um, that's <laughs> Oh but did you guys know that it was actually, it started out as a school for children? I feel like I have heard that. Mm-hmm. And See, I, a lot of people don't. I feel like the only people who don't know that it was a hospital aren't from around here. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, the other day, someone who lives in Kentucky, I told them what I was doing this on, and they had no clue what where Lee Hills was. That's so strange to me. Mm-hmm. It's just because I like creepy stuff. Yeah. Probably. Well, I mean, yeah. And I mean, if you're not from around here, then you wouldn't. No, but I appreciate that. But it didn't again begin as the sanatorium. Like we talked about, it was originally a schoolhouse. So a major Thomas H. Hayes built a property in 1883 for his family home. And he loved his daughters so much. And there was not a school in the area. So he built an entire one room schoolhouse for his daughters. An entire one room yes. schoolhouse. <laughs> well, I know that was like a big thing, but it's just like, it sounds like it's like he built this huge schoolhouse for mm-hmm. his daughter. And it's like, oh, it was one room, two desks, massive place. Right. And so he hired a Miss Lizzie Lee Harris as the school teacher for his young daughters. And Miss Harris named the school Waverly School with two E's after her favorite novels, Waverly, from the author Walter Scott. So then this gave Mr. Hayes the idea to name the property Waverly Hills. But so there was stuff going on, too, at this time. Say, how do you go from a school to a tuberculosis hospital? Yeah. We're getting there. So oh, I'm sorry. I'm so something was creeping in the shadows under Waverly Hills. As the city of Louisville boomed with industrialization, you know, we have increasing population levels. Uh, a greater number of people were squashed together. And so then diseases ran rampant throughout the city. So in 1882, a German physician, Dr. Robert Koch, announced to the world his discovery of the bacteria, microbacteria tuberculosis. So the bacterium was the cause of this disease, killing one out of every seven people in the U.S. So then at the turn of the century, Louisville had the highest TB rate in the country. Jeez. Yeah. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Very bad. And see, part of the problem was because we lived in a swampy area in the Ohio Valley. So all of that moisture was trapped and everybody just kept getting sicker and sicker. And like the river, you know, they lived along the river too. And everybody's dumping waste and garbage into the rivers. It's ironic. It wasn't a super clean time. No. No, the 1800s is just like, man, you're going to die. This is 23. You're lucky. (laughs) I think it's weird too, like, because I know everything I've ever read or watched about Waverly Hills, they talk about how that was like the place to go if you had tuberculosis and they had like all the open windows and stuff and everything. That's like, but you're in an area that is like, like you said, like prime environmental tuberculosis, like tuberculosis friendly. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk about this later when we talk about the construction, but it sat on top of the massive hill. 
And so like the whole property, when you would go in and out of Waverly, it was deemed the hill because it was so separated from the rest of Louisville. I mean, it was completely isolated. They had their own farms and everything. They had their own uh, mechanic shops. They had everything themselves. They were completely self-sufficient. They just loved their work there. It was like an extremely self-sufficient island, basically, is the way that it was viewed. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an actual island. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah, living in the swampy regions. And then because the tuberculosis problem was so bad, um, in 1906, the Board of Tuberculosis was created. And their goal was to build a property to take care for the many inhabitants of Louisville that suffered from TB. So Hayes' school property was the prime location as it was isolated on top of a hill. And so it had tons of good airflow. So that was another bonus and a beautiful view. And so the name Waverly Hills was kept and because it was thought to evoke the name of peace. I wonder what Hayes thought about that. Like, hey, buddy, we're going to turn your school into a tuberculosis hospital. Mm, well, I don't know when he died. Maybe he, like, it was something in his family and they didn't live there yeah. for long. I don't know. But, yeah, that would be pretty wild. Like, hey, man. The right. kids, the kids, kids don't need to learn. Them <laughs> <laughs> being alive is more important right. than their education. Right. <laughs> So talking in general about the history of tuberculosis, it's estimated that it's been around for around, for around 3 million years, and that's the mycobacterium tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. Um, the oldest archaeological evidence that we have shows the bacteria and the remains of a mother and child that were buried together um, in Atlit Yam, which is a city off the coast of Israel that is now buried under the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there are also very early written mentions um, of, of the disease, including one in India from 3,300 years ago and one in China from 2,300 years ago. So is it just like they know it was TB because of some of the symptoms? I guess so. Yeah. Maybe because there were different names for it, too. Yes. Yeah. Like white plague and consumption. consumption. Sorry. I'm getting into this. You guys are getting ahead of me. Um, so it's also been found in animals. Um Ew including the bones of a bison that were found in Wyoming. Oh. Um, oh, so then it, what year was that discovered? Because, like, it could it cross continents? Like, did Native Americans have TB or... I wonder question. if it came to... No, I, I was going to cuss. I can't do that. <laughs> bad European. Yeah, it was probably here. It probably yeah. was. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't remember the year that that was found, but yeah, it was probably the Europeans. They, they do Europeans. all the damage. They do. They do. That's another podcast, right? <laughs> Um, <laughs> so it's it's primarily known as a pulmonary disease, but it can also be found in other parts of the body. Um, yes. Commonly, the lymph nodes. Um, and in the uh, Middle Ages, uh, if it was found in lymph nodes, it was called scofula. I actually later on have a treatment for scofula mm-hmm. that was like used. Coffee. It does kind of sound mm-hmm. like a coffee. Scofula. <laughs> um, so it was originally thought that it was um, a hereditary disease until the discovery of mycobacterium tuberculosis. And at first the medical community didn't really believe that it, that the bacteria was a thing. They just thought that this guy was making it up and trying <laughs> to spread knowledge. Information. Right. And uh, eventually though, they, they agreed with him. Um, so historically it does have many names. Like I said, whenever it uh, affects the lymph nodes, it's called scopula. The most common name historically is consumption. Mm-hmm. 
Um, in ancient Greece, it was called phthisis. In ancient Rome, it was called caves. And during the Middle Ages, it was often called the White Plague due to the paleness of the patients that suffered from it. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that what, like, I feel like I've heard before they called it consumption because it, like, consumed it, you yeah, from it, the yeah. outside like you out. Eat away. Eat there's, away yeah. yeah, there's different stages of the disease and as it goes on it it could you imagine though i mean like seeing a loved one being eaten alive by some mysterious bacterium that's That's insane so sad Mm -hmm. i wonder like i i was watching the show and they were talking about um how and maybe you guys will talk about this later on like the top four they had the children yes and then they had like the people who it had gone to their brain mm-hmm. i'm like i didn't even know that was a thing that yeah that could happen you know but yeah i just always thought it was like in your lungs mm-hmm. that's what i always thought too and then when i took a tour of waverly hills because i went there in 2021 they you yeah like the fifth floor it was just for tb of the brain and then like you'd have tb of the bone all different kinds of things i didn't even know that you could have it in would you say it was lymph nodes lymph nodes mm-hmm. yeah could you imagine oh my yeah. gosh yeah which there, you have lymph nodes everywhere though it's yeah the thing it's like it's not just in like your neck it's <laughs> just all, over, all over the place yeah um so there were also um many many treatments for um tuberculosis varying throughout history and all claiming to be the number one treatment. Um, So in the Middle Ages, the preferred treatment for scofula, which is of the lymph nodes, um, was called the royal touch. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Sounds like it's going to go in a bad direction. No. People would line up to be be touched. Just touched. By by, Yes. By kings and queens, specifically of like England and France, um, hoping that that was going to cure the scofula. Uh, it didn't. Did all the kings and queens die? <laughs> probably. Could you probably imagine? It's really awful. Yeah, like, here, let me grant you the power of my people. <laughs> Just a line of constant exposure to this to this okay. disease. Yeah. Um, in the early 1800s, treatments were cod liver oil, vinegar massages, and inhaling hemlock and turpentine. Oh, my God. Yes. They were like, this is, this is it. This is what's going to work. Hemlock is very poisonous. Yes. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. At Waverly Hills, the main treatment was daily fresh air. Mm -hmm. It's all of the the windows. Um, A diet high in ascorbic acid, vitamin A, and protein. Bed rest. And um, in later cases, uh, resecting pieces of the lungs to remove the diseases. Mm -hmm. I have heard that before. They also They also had treatments to actually, like, reinflate. Um like collapsed lungs um until streptomycin was discovered well sorry to go back to the like the treatment thing so another thing that they would do and everyone always talks about how like the treatments were so barbaric and everything but you have to understand is they had no clue what they were dealing with they they didn't have streptomycin yet and so they had all these bizarre treatments but at the time that's all that they had and that worked that seemed to work and so they also had these operating tables and they would lay these patients down on the operating tables and they would open up their chest and have their lungs 
open to the air and they would have these black lights placed over their lungs. And so the whole idea was that it would clean off all the bacteria off your lungs. Because, you know, like remember off during of COVID, the lungs. Well, you know what I mean? Right. Clean, no, no, no. Lungs. I'm saying like, yeah. was it believed that it was off of the lungs or internal, like inside of the lungs? I guess they're thinking it was on because, I mean, they put the light there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just like the thing during COVID. Do you remember those? Yeah. Like the lights. Yeah. The, the black the, light. The, yeah. UV light. Yeah. yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, I had heard that they would like because they thought it would give the long time to heal mm-hmm. if they took away yeah. like pieces or like the ribs and there was like more space and everything. And like you said, people were like, oh, my God, that's so terrible. But at the time, yeah, like yeah. I feel like that's super common throughout history. It's yeah, like we have that like we look back on and we're, you know, just like, oh, my God, that is so terrible. How did people use this or do that or, you know, like lobotomies and mm-hmm. yeah, you're taking out pieces of people's lungs and stuff. But that was like that was modern medicine. Yes, that mm-hmm. was like the top research, you know, and like, well, yeah, people well, like sought out these treatments because they didn't like they really thought that was going to help. Like to them, that was not a far fetched horrible thing. And Waverly Hills was the most advanced facility in the, yeah. in the country yeah. for TB. And it's just like, if they're doing these things there, then of course, you know, it's all that they have at the moment. It's what they think is the best. It's just like, what did they used to do in ancient times? They'd drill holes in your skin. Oh yeah. Um, oh, what are those called? Oh, it, it's like on the tip of my tongue. Is it to like release pressure? Or something? Yes. Yeah. They still do that. Yeah. yeah. And see, they, thought that, they thought that was so barbaric, but I mean, it worked. Yeah. What is that called? It's just the T. To, yeah, I don't remember. Oh, I don't to it. <laughs> That'll be a different podcast. Yeah. So we're going to talk about streptomycin. Oh. Um, yes. Yay, in, Oct- <laughs> in October of 1943, streptomycin was isolated by a PhD student at Rutgers University uh-huh. and is also considered to be um, the first randomized controlled trial of a medicine. Mm-hmm. And I think they did that over like a span of maybe three years was the was the oh, trial. Wow. Yeah. So it, it took a minute. Uh, today we use a treatment um, of a four drug cocktail of isonazid, pyrazinamide, ethambutol, and rifampin. Good job. You can say all those. I was right. I can say all <laughs> those. Yes. Oh, my. I love how they refer to it as a cocktail, though. It, yeah. It's a cocktail of medicine. How, like how many people get TB? That it no, still happens. Still, There's still aborted tuberculosis in Louisville. There's a. Um, I think as of 2020, there were maybe. I, th- I think it said like 9,000 cases or something like that. Have you guys ever been tested? Where Never. you get the little? Oh, the skin test. test. Yes, the skin test. I. I have not. Have you? Yes. Oh. I have not because I thought I had it, but I think it was some sort of like medicine I was going to take. Or there was like, you oh. had to like double check that you didn't have it. And like, I mean, this was years ago. I don't even remember like what it was for. So what do they do? Do they like, it's like a bubble. They, they do an injection of um, t- t- tuberculum, I think. Maybe. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Like, I just remember it's like, and they like inject it right underneath the skin, like on your forearm. Mm-hmm. And it has something to do with like the reaction, oh. like basically that tells them. And then, like, read it a couple days later or whatever. Yeah. You know, That's like, weird. That's like if you're allergic to something, like one of those topical tests. It does. It sounds like an allergy test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. So next, I guess we'll talk about the construction since we've already been talking about Waverly Hills so much. So construction on the actual sanatorium began in 1908. And now it's dropped down to only one E. And a two-story administration building was set up, and it had open-air pavilions, and they were fit to house 20 residents. Yeah, 20 residents, all 20. 
and it officially opened on July 26th of 1910. So now when you think about the TB epidemic in a massive city such as Louisville, the capacity of 20 residents, it's going to fill up super quick, right? So that's why in 1924, they began construction on a five-story brick and concrete building, and it would have the capacity for 400 residents. So it's a massive difference from the 20 spots just 14 years earlier. So also up on the hill, as residents and employees used to say, Waverly Hills was completely isolated. And so like they had their own laundry facilities, they had gardens, they had a butcher and a maintenance team. They even had their own band that the residents made themselves. Oh, yeah. So oh, that's kind of cool. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to have something to like keep your spirits up. Yeah. Yeah. Because really? I mean, yeah, especially and we'll talk about this later too. When the death toll was so high, people were so depressed. They were they felt so downtrodden. Because well, like, you're basically escape. watching what's going to happen to you. Well, the probability mm-hmm. of it happening to you, I mean, before there was a cure, yeah. Like was pretty high. Mm-hmm. So you are surrounded by the inevitable almost it's like just dark you're just watching people die if you're in one of these sanatoriums they're just probably the, the way i imagine it is they're just dropping like flies like flies oh my gosh but i'm not sure if that was actually the case it sounds like it well at one point there was a death a day so it, it got really, really, really bad. But yeah. And I mean, like, how could you imagine at this point when that's going on? They had a visiting room. Right. So up on, I think it's the second floor. They had an entire visiting room where patients could visit their family from the outside. And like, could you imagine you, there was one time a year you could visit? Can you imagine coming in and visiting your loved one once a year and just seeing them slowly deteriorate? Oh, my God. Like, how old you even made it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, they had they had children. Like you said, they kept the children up on the roof, and that sounds awful. The children on the roof. <laughs> I mean, they had play sets. There's pictures out there of swing sets oh, of kids. Yeah, of yeah. It's like that's awful to leave your young impressionable child there to hopefully get better or die. Just so, so then, sad. that's where all of the um, the child ghosts. Yeah, little titties come from. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, I mean, as a parent. I mean, no, I can't imagine leaving my kids somewhere. But like you said, this was like the state of the art facility. You know, if they had TB, that was like the best thing you could do for them, Mm -hmm. you know, to try and get them the help they needed. So it seems awful. And like it would be awful. Like I can't imagine having to do that with my kids, but I'd also want them to have their best chance. Yeah. So it feels better. like a lose-lose situation, but I mean, you just, you really have to trust in those doctors and those nurses that they know what they're doing. I mean, a lot of them, I don't want to say a lot of them, I don't know them personally, but I feel like they did. <laughs> but so yeah, there was no need to leave the hill because they had everything up there. Right. And so it was, like I said, one of the most advanced institutions in the United States and it specialized in the care and treatment of those suffering from TB. Patients would live up on the hill for weeks, months, or even years, depending on how quickly they healed. And one really interesting fact that I did not know about Waverly Hills, both black and white patients were accepted. But sadly, as often is the case in the early 20th century, black and whites were housed in separate buildings. So the black patients often had longer wait times and less adequate quick care and more crowded conditions. So they were housed in that uh, formerly constructed facility that only had 20 available beds where all of the white patients got the 400 rooms which is of course yeah like you said i feel like that's kind of like a theme Mm -hmm. unfortunately with history 
Yeah. And America. before there was Waverly Hills, there was Hazelwood. Yeah, which I didn't which know was, this. Yeah, which was another sanatorium. It's also apparently super haunted in mm-hmm. Lowell. Um, and it was specifically for white patients from any um, part of Kentucky. Uh, it was built in 1907. Hmm. Um, so that's just like a year after the Board of Tuberculosis was formed, yeah. too. So, so it must have been really, really bad because... The board was formed, and then Hazelwood was built, and then Waverly Hills was built just a couple of years later. Yeah. So that was awful. I feel like that's so... Uh, that like just makes me so angry, though. Yeah. When we learn that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the segregation. I feel yeah, a little bit that, more about that later, though. Yeah, like, that's mm-hmm. just awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, like, how can you look at another human and think to treat them that way? Right. Just... I don't understand you think it. you're worth living and you're not. Well, and that's what's ironic to me, too, about the whole, like, you know, oh, separate but equal. But, mm-hmm. like, they're not. Like, they weren't equal. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, and that's exactly the case that was going on here. Right. They were supposed to be separate, equal facilities, but they were definitely not. Yeah. They, they had longer they wait weren't. times, less adequate care. And that's yeah. so upsetting. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just... Uh, yeah. Disgusting. So, like, you had mentioned Caroline. Um with the antibiotic coming in streptomycin, there was no need to have the facility open after it. Cause in 1943 was when it was discovered. So, and it was a very effective treatment for TB and it eliminated the need for lengthy isolation periods at sanatoriums like Waverly Hills. And so shortly afterwards it was closed in 1961. And like, I think you'd said that a lot of those patients were moved to Hazelwood, mm-hmm. which I didn't know that either. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So at that point though, I don't know if it was just the white patients or if it was, white and black patients if they were all allowed to move yeah i don't know but so what and i'm probably like jumping ahead so just tell me not to do that if I am. <laughs> but like what happened to the building has it literally been vacant this whole time oh yeah since then yeah so this is something i'll get into later i'll let caroline go first but yeah so for like in, until today it sat vacant since like well since 82 it's sad okay. vacant. I say I know it's vacant now. Yeah. You know, people go and yeah, do, you know, like ghost tours stuff. and yeah, all the spooky stuff. And travel channel people, yeah. ghost adventures and stuff. But I didn't realize it was vacant that long. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It was vacant for such a and yeah, I'll get in more into it later because it it's it's horribly dilapidated at one point. The owners now who have it are really fixing it up and trying to make it look really good. And they're doing a great job, too. So, yeah, that's something I'll get I into. I wonder why. Because that's a huge building. Oh, it's It's so much space. Like, I yeah. can't believe that it was never even attempted to be, like, reused. I think there was talk at one point about it turning into a hotel. <laughs> yeah, so that's what the owners are doing now. Oh, right so, now they're doing Yes. It? Oh. That's so their word use. Wow. Like, let's <laughs> go stay in this hotel. Like, think about it, though. That's going to bring so in a lot haunted. of people. I mean, that is very That's true. true. Mm-hmm. There are yeah. people, people who line up to People stay pay a like lot of money to get Christmas. Yeah. Think about the Lizzie Borden house. People willingly stay there overnight. People stay, pay, will pay a lot of money to be scared. Yeah. For whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to be scared, but I don't know if I want the possibility of waking stay up at like overnight. four in the morning to a ghost doing a something. A child with a... Ball I do it. I totally Are you stay kidding? There. I would totally stay. There, I yes. would stay, but I'm not gonna go to sleep, I and would. I couldn't be by myself. I don't want to look at the building. <laughs> I don't want to so, be near the building. <laughs> Knowing the building exists scares me. You would hate this. <laughs> so one thing I haven't talked about was the body shoot. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. I've heard of. So originally, just a little background: the body shoot was not intended to transport dead bodies. So originally, it was used to bring in coal into 
the basement of Waverly and um, bring in other materials for like maintenance and constru- and different things like that. So it, it's just like a maintenance tunnel to keep unsightly things out of their patient's view. And it's like a 45 degree ramp too. So if, could you imagine going up <laughs> and down that? With, yeah. With all these gurneys and different things. But so yeah, originally it was intended for that. It was not intended for bodies, but when the death toll got up to a death a day, that's when they started to use it for bodies because they're like, okay, we got to keep up patient morale. These guys are dropping like flies this can't be good for their mental health. Send them through the shoot. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the autopsy room and the body shoot are like right down the hall from each other. So it was super convenient for them to be like, okay, here's a good avenue to keep this out of the public eye. And, you know. But I feel like that's kind of silly at the same time because, okay, they're not seeing you wheel out people. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, well, f- I haven't seen Fred in a while. Yeah. I haven't seen <laughs> you know, Susan since last week. Like, eventually, you're still gonna be like oh Fred's dead well I mean there was like over 400 so they had capacity for 400 but it got overcrowded so there's over 400 people there I imagine maybe not everyone knew each other so so if you gotta see you know like oh yep there goes Philip down the body chute yeah you're gonna be sad but then if you don't know Margaret or Beth or any of those other people then if they disappear you might not notice and like the kids too I was gonna say do you know the age ranges for the kids was it was it any there were like little toddlers there. I don't know if they had infants. Yeah. Or well, not. I think I and I mean I'm not 100 percent sure, but I know one of the shows I was watching about it. They were talking about how people, you know, who lived there, even people that worked there, like they had their children with them. If you, I guess, got pregnant and had a baby, mm-hmm. like they would be there. Too. So I mean, the possibility of there being infants is yeah. probably good. Like, I wonder what all the kids that were there were able to understand about oh, I what was just, happening. Yeah. Were they just like, oh, I'm I'm sick. Everybody else is sick. That's that's what it is. Aww. Or I know. Sad. It's so sad. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, you're like little tiny impressionable children. You're not going to understand what's going on. You're just going to think like, because if you're playing with all these other kids, you're just going to think it's playtime. Right. And then you're not going to understand all these gaunt faces around you. No. But I mean, the whole thing of the body tunnel or body shoot anyway. Oh, yeah. So, So at the end of the shoot, this, so the owners right now, they allow paranormal teams to come in and they have their own investigations. And so it's like pays for the funds of the property. And so they have this cabin at the end of the body shoot and you can pay to stay there overnight. <laughs> that's that's stresses me out. <laughs> yes. I would do it. Is, there, totally okay, is there a way out? Is it's like a little the button? Of, oh my God. <laughs> Where is it? In the middle of the woods? It's, it's in the, the woods. woods. Yeah, yeah. Behind the, so it like the body shoot goes I think it's like two miles it's insanely long and so there's woods at the end (laughs) I just it's like the perfect storm of like a haunted scary movie and a like 80s slasher yes like you're in the middle of the woods yeah Yeah. you know like you're gonna go explore this abandoned you know tuberculosis hospital and stay in this cabin Mm -hmm. it's like every 80s scary movie You're kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be one of those dumb kids, but I would totally do it. <laughs> so Thank now God. the body shoot, did they like just push them up and down? Or like, I thought I have heard somewhere that they had some sort of like, 
oh yeah you're mechanism right. that yeah. did it like a pulley type kind of or, or some sort of well because in, in this I mean we know that a lot of those paranormal shows on TV they exaggerate yeah. yes. but I remember watching one and I don't remember which one it was but they were talking about how like the machine was started and this guy was working on it and it like ripped his hand off and they oh literally gosh. just took his arm and like threw it in someone else's casket <gasps> that they were like taking <gasps> oh out my the God. down the body chute and they were just like, oh, yep, that's okay. It's fine. I have never heard of this. That's yeah, I mean, like I said, who wow. knows if that's really true. Joe's got three hands. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it was But I was like, oh, man. But yes, I do remember them talking about a pulley system because there's also a staircase right next to the ramp. And so it's really steep. It's 45 degree angle. And so you, it's, I mean, it's just like going down. I don't know how to describe it, but like walking down a slide almost. Yeah. It's, it's super steep. And so I could not imagine trying to push anything down there without tripping. <laughs> And so, yeah, like they accidentally like slips out of your hand. Right. Oh it's gosh, just sliding down. The whole There's like a gurney oh. sliding down. Oh that would be awful. And pitch black, too. There's no lights in there. Oh, I didn't even think about yeah. that. But the other really cool thing is in the concrete underneath or on the ramp side, you can see the indentions from the wheels of all the years of people going up and down. So how wide is the ramp? Oh, it's super. The ramp's not very wide. Like I can put my feet on both ends of it. But oh. the whole way, uh, I can stick my hand on one wall and almost touch the other wall. Okay. So it's not very wide, but I mean, gotcha. two people can walk abreast down it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was way too much. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just no. That's I like. I am imagining it in my mind. <laughs> just like imagining the horror story of yeah. chase being chased down the tunnel. Well, and I think it's so crazy to think it's like just enough room for like a body and whoever is shipping it up and down. I would be curious to know if any of the like medical schools in the <gasps> in the city took advantage <gasps> of the oh, bodies. That's such a good question. Yeah. Yeah, because if they had black patients there, they probably did. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We should look into we that. We should absolutely yeah. look into that. Okay, podcast two coming up. Yeah. Um, so, tuberculosis in Louisville in general. Um, I think you said earlier that um, it was, so Louisville had the highest, did you say death rate or just rate of tuberculosis in general? It had the highest rate of TB. It was, okay. it was awful. Yeah. Um, as of 1938, uh, TB was the leading cause of death in the United States in general, Ooh. and Kentucky was in the lead for the highest death rate in the nation. Oh, my gosh. Like said. Um, the reason for this is because Kentucky had a severe lack of facilities, lack of funding, and lack of long-term care mm. for patients who, you know, had long-term um, ramifications from TB. Um in 1907, the Louisville Tuberculosis uh, Association, where I talked about this, um, established Hazelwood. Um, and then there was also something called the Louisville Women's City Club. Um, they did a lot of public health work to try to sort of spread education and things like that. And they also did things like garbage pickups and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they inspected meat shops. Were they a religious foundation or is it just, just like regular? I, I think, I don't think they were a religious organization, okay. um, but it was all middle-class white women <laughs> pretty much. And so the goal of the club was to protect their own middle-class families. Um. Yeah. <laughs> From lower class industrial and domestic workers, yeah, who thought who they thought were more likely 
to carry the, the disease. disease. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so in nasty 19, poor people. In, yeah. Right. In 1922, they conducted a study and found that the African American population had the highest death rates in the city. Well, I wonder why. 2.5 times higher. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. Yeah. That's so um, sad. And, obviously, and with the least amount of care at Waverly Hills and probably right. Hazelwood because they didn't have right. any well, that's why they had a 2.5 higher yeah. death rate. It was most likely, they think, um, due to poor living conditions because they didn't have the opportunities the opportunity. that other white people right. were. Right. So... Awful. Awful. Yeah. So, yeah, eventually, because you talk about it being so bad, but then, you know, streptomycin. Yay. Yay, streptomycin. Why? So we love antibiotics. Yeah. Like, did they ever figure out why some people get it and some people don't? I mean, I know it's super contagious. They originally thought it was hereditary. I don't know if I. Yeah, you said, said that. that. Yeah. But, um, like, but no, I, I guess there's. I don't know if they like, know whether there's an, like an isolation reason or not. Maybe or it's like it's with other modern stuff. Kind of just know, random. Like well, it could be like, yeah, like if you're exposed yeah. to it and then you're asymptomatic and then you've got that immunity already. Maybe it's kind of like that. Some people did actually have really strict like quarantine measures. And I don't know about like masks and everything like that. I mean, I've seen um, and read things about people wearing like personal protective equipment during um, the Spanish flu, but I don't know about tuberculosis. I, I don't know how much they knew about it. Yeah, honestly, because um, that's interesting. If they, if they, because I know that they wore masks with the Spanish flu, mm -hmm. and so if they knew it worked then, and they social distance, then why wouldn't they do it with TB? Yeah, I mean, it was. Let's see, when when was um, the bacterium isolated? Do you know? In 1943. 1943. Oh, so there was a big, there was like a 20-year difference yeah. between them knowing that it was caused by a bacteria than being hereditary. Mm -hmm. So I guess Maybe that's, too, I guess that's why they saw. Like, I feel like there's also this weird kind of supernatural that's not really a word, but <laughs> that surrounds tuberculosis. Yeah. You know, like people thought it was like vampires. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. all of this other stuff. And so maybe that's another reason why mass and some of this other stuff was like, oh, well, we're not even going to worry about that. Some hole we all want this is fine. something yeah. that's like beyond, you know. I think it's Regular. completely out of our yeah. Like, like there's nothing we can do exactly. about it. Exactly. So like we'll just see what happens. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that was exactly what it was. But yeah. I mean, they always, like you said, vampires. And there's the whole other uh, aspect of that with, because um, I guess they what it was, they, they'd cough up blood because they'd get blood mm -hmm, in their lungs. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, we're vampires. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was closed in 1961 with streptomycin. And so patients' numbers dwindled over the years. And then after a year of sitting empty on the hilltop, Waverly Hills was once opened again as Woodhaven Geriatric Center. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which this is something new to me because I had no idea it was a geriatric facility. Yeah, I didn't. I yeah. just thought it was always a tuberculosis. It was just hospital. like Waverly Hills as the tuberculosis hospital, and then it has been empty ever since. Like, that's what I always assumed until I learned that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what a lot of people think, honestly. It's just yeah. the asylum yeah. thing. Everyone thought it was an asylum. Yeah. 
So, yeah, the facility cared for elderly patients with dementia, mobility issues, and mental handicaps. The center closed abruptly in 1982, though, after a grand jury inspection found incidents of patient abuse oh. less than in less than ideal living conditions. That is sad. Yes. I don't like that. Yeah. No. And so I don't remember if, but when I, we were there, one of the tour guides was talking about on the fourth floor, it was supposed to be the worst. And I don't know if it was during the geriatric facility or if it was when it was Waverly Hills, but there was so much overcrowding on the fourth floor. And there were patients who were sitting in their own feces in their beds. There was like two doctors or two nurses to an entire floor. I was, I was going to ask about staffing. Yeah, there was virtually no staffing. Yeah, It was overcrowded and someone, I don't remember who it was, an inspector came in and they said, okay, just don't go to the fourth floor. Our elevator's not working for the fourth floor or something. They're like, okay. And they accidentally end up on the fourth floor and they're walking the hallways and seeing everything that's going oh on. And they're like, this is awful. And so... Then they got yeah yeah Yeah. then they closed them down. They tried to cover it up. Yeah, I feel like that's not that surprising. Like it is, it's not, but well, it's a business. They're not going to want to close it down if they're making like nursing homes now. Yeah, you know, I mean, not that there aren't great ones out there, but I can't even like count how many times I hear abuse stories about nursing homes. Mm Because most of, like, you know, especially if those people don't have families, like you said, they could, well, I mean, that would be different, I guess, but they could probably visit more than once a year, like when I was a tuberculosis hospital. But yeah, like, you're older, maybe you're, you don't have any more family, or they don't come to visit you very often, so, like, they're not going to know. Yeah. No one to tell. You're all alone. They didn't have phones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they had phones. (laughs) But not great ones. I mean, not something. You're in the middle of the woods. And be like, I... I'm calling the police. Yeah. Right. Well, and for as isolated as it was, you know, there yeah. it probably wasn't super easy to like reach out. Yeah. And honestly, people. those, yeah, because their families, I mean, I hate to say it, but especially in these days too, if they're mentally handicapped, they didn't want to deal with them. And so they yeah. just dropped them off these facilities yeah. and those people on the fourth floor, they're known as the forgotten ones. And that's where all the stories of the shadow people come through because they're the ones who've been forgotten. They were neglected. They feel like they didn't get the love that they wanted to in their lifetime. They were forgotten about. (laughs) Girls need love too. Yeah. See, (laughs) that's so sad. Oh Mm, my God. That's terrifying and sad. It's terrifying and sad. Yeah. It's like, I can, I can get why you, like, if you were forgotten or whatever, and now you're a ghost, you want to haunt everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. As I just like out a of creepy permit. shadow, though. Yeah, just, I mean, I wouldn't want to be that kind of ghost. Maybe <laughs> I don't think I want to be a ghost at all. I would want to be stuck here ghost. for the rest of the, yeah. I don't want to be stuck here for the rest of the afterlife. Yeah. It's bad enough as it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, you get to mess with people though. If, okay, that would be fun. yeah. I could totally get behind that. Yeah. But like when we were in uh, Union Baptist Cemetery, I was thinking about some of those grave markers that have disappeared. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, you go throughout your life. Most people hope to leave a mark on the world or to be remembered. And then you're forgotten. You're either buried without any thought, no grave marker, and or just thrown in a ditch somewhere. And like, how would that feel to be forgotten about, to have no one remember who you are anymore. I feel like that gives me anxiety. I'm sorry. Think about <laughs> I'm so sorry. And it's like, it, I agree that like, that's awful. Mm-hmm. That is. Yeah. 
So I feel like, I don't know, now I need to like talk to Aria and be like, this is what I need you to do for the next like seven generations. Like we have to start like a tradition. Every generation has to do something. So then like 400 years, they'll be like, well, there was this one lady. Yeah. <laughs> Aria's her daughter, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Aria's my daughter. FYI. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that's why I kind of feel like scrapbooking and family documentation is important too. Because I mean, yeah, of course, not everyone's going to care about family history, but in some way you can be remembered like that too. Yeah. So, but then back to Waverly Hills. Yes. So over the years, uh, we had, we kind of talked about like what happened to Waverly Hills and, you know, it didn't just sit vacant. Right. And the adjoining property, along with the buildings on Waverly Hills, uh, exchanged hands throughout the years many, many times. And then in 1983, the property was bought by a J. Clifford Todd with plans to convert the facility into a minimum security prison. But a lot, yeah, <laughs> a lot of the neighbors, as you can imagine, did not enjoy the idea of a minimum security prison. I don't like that idea. Yeah. I wouldn't want to live near a minimum security <laughs> prison. Like, yeah. we're not watching them very much so well i feel like so i mean is that like can we just walk a, out the door well no but <laughs> go out the body shoot oh it, <laughs> maybe they, did, they had a little bit more freedom to like walk around or like they work or different things oh yeah maybe, maybe like I maybe should. they could just go out into the community and work maybe i should look up the definition of a or, I mean, security if, prison mm-hmm. because you said waverly hills was like literally its own community yeah up yeah. on this hill so they could have just used it as like a minimum security prison and have like oh, everyone yeah. have their own little jobs and like do little things like on the property in mm-hmm. this community. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like not just like stroll into town. Like, Hey, like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like a work camp almost. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I came here from jail. I mean, I do <laughs> still see why that would be kind of unsettling. Yeah. If you lived like right there. I don't think that they would have had like high security criminals there. Like murders and different things. Yeah. Kind of like petty crimes and different things. Yeah. But yeah, so the plans fell through due to community protest. So the building sat vacant again until 1996. So there's a big gap between 1983 and 96. The 96 is. Oh, yeah. This is the golden one. It's interesting. So a Mr. Robert Alberhaski obtained Waverly Hills with the intention to construct the world's tallest statue of Jesus Christ, standing 150 feet tall on top of the hill. That's so random. Yeah. Is. For for reference, um, the Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio is 120 feet. Oh my gosh. Which is like you look at that statue and you're like, that's tall. But then having a, a 150 foot statue of Jesus in Louisville, Kentucky. And he was gonna build it on the roof too. That's what I was gonna ask. So was he gonna tear down the building or is he gonna build it near the building? So he was, and this is uh part of the reason that it wasn't built other than a lack of funding, because he needed like three million dollars to do this i think and it, he only got like a couple thousand <laughs> yeah so. it was um so from march of 96 to december of 97 um only three thousand dollars was donated so they were expecting i think to get like a lot of church donations and things like that um, because people realized that the idea was kind of ridiculous yeah <laughs> a massive statue right <laughs> just on top of an old TB hospital in the yeah. middle of the woods in Louisville, Kentucky. You can't even rain. It's like, would you say Louisville? Yeah. That's you don't I say it right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I you're, didn't not grow from, up you're not in from Kentucky. Louisville. You say Louisville. Louisville. 
Louisville. You're whatever. still not saying it right. Okay, well, <laughs> it's just never going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, so he was going to, I think he was going to tear down parts of the building and he was going to turn some of it into gift shops and I think maybe a chapel and some different things like that. Yeah, there was a but, worship center, yeah. our arts and worship center, theater and gift shop. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But during the period that he owned it and he was raising the money for it, I do not understand why he did this, but he just let anyone and everyone come in and they would tear that place up. They would spray paint the walls. They would throw massive parties there. It became a really big party scene for, yeah, like all random. And there was even a murder that happened there. Um, when when we were taking the tour, I think we were on the second floor again. I mean, it was the third floor. There was a homeless gentleman living there. And the owners of, at the time didn't mind him being there because, you know, he could kind of keep some of the partying kids away. And... Two people broke in and brutally murdered him and his dog and shoved him down the elevator shaft. The dog? Oh my God. I mean, and the person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he just let anyone come in and do anything there. Oh and it, that was awful. Yeah. There's apparently also a metal, like, festival there. Like, like oh a music gosh, festival. Yes, I forgot. Yeah. I think they just had the very last was, one ever there. It was like an like an underground sort of a like a heavy metal festival. And then neighbors were like, no, no, we're not gonna do this anymore. <laughs> we're these poor neighbors. They're like, that makes years, <laughs> they get prisons, partiers. I bet uh, I bet houses. houses near there are like really cheap. There's <laughs> <laughs> like a really, really nice high class golf course nearby. And actually to go up to Waverly Hills, you have to drive through the golf course. Oh yeah, like there's a there's a a road like right next to it. It's just so weird. So like it, it's a nice place, but then you get on top of the hill and there's just Waverly. Well, it's in the west end of Louisville, which is not the best part of Louisville. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised that there's like a that there's like a really nice like golf course. Golf course. That's yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of surprising. But yeah, so plans fell through with the giant Jesus. And then finally in 2001, Waverly was purchased by Tina and Charlie Mattingly. And so these are also the current owners. Under the Mattingly's, Waverly received the love and attention that it deserved after many years of sitting alone and neglected. Waverly, the Waverly Hills Historical Society, they founded this society and it was established to aid in the restoration of the facility. And they used tours and different events, I guess, like the metal party to raise different funds for Waverly Hills. And so they also have a haunted house every year that we should know. <laughs> it is. It's intense. You've been? I have not been, no. but I've heard so many things about it. Go. Tickets no. sell out super quick. Oh, we literally know. I will go. I will FaceTime <laughs> you guys while you're being scared. You're right. Honestly, I probably wouldn't. We I'll would be, be pulling up, up and you'd be like, nope, and hang up. I'll be like sitting at home, comfy, not scared. <laughs> and you guys would be doing oh we should do spooky it spooky stuff and you know what have fun i hope I you enjoy yourselves fun. they have a chainsaw yeah. person there like every other that's awful but it raises tons of money right well, for yeah, the historical that society makes sense because like i said people pay a lot of money to be scared yeah, exactly people love to be scared yeah so i don't the, get it 
The Mattingly's are being super smart about all this, though, mm-hmm. because their plans, like we talked about earlier, was to build a hotel, right? And I think um, they were going to convert the former sanatorium into a 120-room hotel on the second and third floor. The first floor would be comprised of a conference center and a massive restaurant, and the fourth floor would house the museum for the former hospital. Oh, mm-hmm. that is cool. So I'm like, that they know floor. what they're doing. <laughs> They're just going to tear down the fifth floor. I don't, I think they have plans for the fifth floor, but I don't know what it is because on, it's gorgeous up there. You you can look out and see over the whole valley. So I'm sure that they would keep it. They're the ones who put the gargoyles on Waverly because those aren't oh, original. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Little tidbit. They just wanted to make it look extra spooky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just add to it. People, see, it's a gothic style beyond. building, too. So, like, I think when people think of gothic, they're like, ooh, spooky. People, like, see the gargoyles. They're probably like, oh, my gosh, they're so old. And it's like, no, they're just, like, 20 years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's all I have for you that's, guys today. Yeah, that's all that I have. Sarah, want to add anything from your uh, documentaries and things you watched? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I mean, this is like, I didn't know so much of this. Because like I, we talked about before, I think so many people only focus on the paranormal yeah. aspect of it. It's like, oh, it was a tuberculosis hospital and lots of people died and it's super, super haunted. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about all these terrible things and just how that's like echoed through time, mm-hmm. shadow figures and stuff. And I so, mean, yeah, you can't look up anything about Waverly Hills no matter the topic without it being like like spooky spooky spooky, spooky, spooky <laughs> with this like a single sentence of information that you're actually looking for yeah so it it took a little bit of digging actually mm-hmm. and see that's kind of why I wanted to talk about the history instead of all the paranormal stuff because when you talk about the paranormal stuff you focus on all the creepy things you focus on all the creepy shadows all of the ghosts running around and you forget that these were real people these were real people who suffered and died some of them alone and i feel like we can't let that history be forgotten because it's not like that doesn't also happen today yeah so true so thank you guys for showing up today thank you for talking about waverly hills yeah we'll have to plan our next podcast yes stay tuned sounds fun what what did we say our next podcast was gonna be be woodhaven We've got so many. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of There's topics. a lot. Yeah. We can pick from. We'll figure it out. But yeah. Yeah. I've been Ashley. I have been Caroline. And I have been Sarah. Thank you. And we'll see you guys later. Mm-hmm.